Hi, and you're very welcome to episode 14 of the League of Ireland podcast here on finalwhistle.ie. Today, I'm not joined by one, but two co-hosts on the show, and I'm delighted to have Dean Zamber and Alan Keane here as we recap the first 14 rounds of fixtures in the League of Ireland Premier Division. A few less in the First Division, yes, but we'll get into all of that over the next 40 minutes or so, a little bit of a, a light bite for the mid-season break. Lads, you're very welcome to the show. Cheers, Brave. Thanks for having me. Now, Alan, we better start, I suppose, with a bit of clarification on some comments we made on last week's show. And we talked about the uh, tweet that was issued on social media about uh, the scoreboard failure in um, in Tala and what that might have been or what that might have represented. Now, Shamrock Rovers have been in touch with us to clarify that there was a scoreboard malfunction late in the second half and that the insinuation that it was a, a stunt or a... Um, thing was false and that it was just purely a technical issue uh, unfortunate as it may have been uh, they have been in touch uh, we would love to have someone from the club on to talk about it and to really put the the, the record completely to, to, to bed on that and uh, or anything else about what maybe life is like in Tala and Shamrock Rovers at the moment as they look to get their league title up and running Alan I suppose it was yourself that got the brunt of that last week uh, your thoughts on, on the whole situation well uh... Obviously, we we went to, we done the podcast on Tuesday, so that came that came about from obviously a tweet from Sligo Rose and a few other people had tweeted it, and uh, we obviously ran it on our show because we knew it, it wasn't clarified at that time. So we do apologise. I apologise that if we got it wrong, I apologise to anyone that had messaged me on Twitter, albeit they got a bit personal and stuff. But uh, <laughs> uh, look, you touched on it there, Brefney. We'd love to have someone on the show. With we've tried a few times and and uh, we've not had anyone. And we've had most players on from most clubs. So it'd be nice to have a player or manager or some someone involved with the club on the show. Sometime. Yeah, we did invite someone from the club on to talk about this or any other issue or any other topic they'd like to talk about at the moment in terms of the club. Uh, they have as yet not replied to us, but we would love to hear from them. In terms of the weekend, obviously, Al, um, Dean, you got up close and personal with Shamrock Rovers over the weekend in Bishopsgate. It was all grown swimmingly for the first 96 minutes of the game. Uh, and then, unfortunately, as they've done so often this season, they found the back of the net uh, deep, deep into injury time and took all three points. I, I don't even I think I know the answer to this, but how do you feel after uh, after such a, a kind of a last minute robbery uh, by Rovers down in Bishopsgate? Yeah, it was obviously bitterly disappointing not to get it out of the game. And like we felt we'd put in a good shift and it deserved um, maybe a point from it. Probably didn't do enough kind of to win a game or to, you know, to score. We didn't put Alan Manis under a lot of pressure, but um, we felt that, you know, organisation wise, we were good and we had a good game plan. We stuck to it, you know, so obviously bitterly disappointing then, like in the, in such late on to, to concede a goal. But like we say all the time, um, champions do that and Sean McCrovers have shown the ability to do it quite regularly and it's, it's not a fluke when it happens. So, you know, you have to give some credit to, to their side as well, you know. Yeah, no, I know. Speaking of Twitter, I'm not, I saw you have a conversation on Twitter during the week about the number of times Shamrock Rovers have done that this season. Uh, I think the calculation that was that they've scored goals that have rewarded them with 10 points bonus after the 85th minute. That's some trick if you can keep that going for a, any length of period at all. And if they can keep going all season, they're going to really be there thereabouts at the end of the season anyway. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, look at they, they definitely will be because I think there are two points off the record uh, set by Drada. Uh, McCadden uh, had said that he, 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 uh, he, he, 
back on on because um, I asked the question and that's phenomenal and that's going to be a massive come the end of the season. Yeah, I suppose it doesn't uh, help Dean any any much this week as they face into um, a disappointing, I suppose, way to go into the, the mid-season break. In terms of the other games over the weekend, we did, of course, have a full round of fixtures. Uh, Bowles and Waterford, they were in action on Saturday also. A fairly comfortable win in the end for Bohemians. Uh, they'll be happy with the, with their lot in that particular game. Of course, the goals from Dawson Devoy, Ross Tierney and Andy Lyons and... Uh, Unfortunately for Waterford, they lost a player in the last 25 minutes and it, it didn't really matter at that stage. The game was well over. I think Bowles had this put to bed by halftime. Yeah, it was a comfortable enough game for, for Bowes in the end. And um, I think they're playing really well at the moment. You know, they had a slip up against Pats, but other than that, they're, they're, they're playing quite well and they found a bit of rhythm. And I think we all said at the start of the season, replacing that front four was going to be an issue for for them to gel and get going, but I think they really have got going and, and they've been quite impressive and, and the wins have been strong wins in the last couple of weeks as well, like, you know, so uh, they look to be up and running and probably they'll want to break right now just because they've hit a bit of form, like, you know, so that'll be something to watch uh, coming back, whether they can kind of keep that momentum going. Yeah, going back to Friday night's game, of course, the early kickoff was up in Finn Park and Sligo Rovers were in town, a Northwest Derby, and it was just a great game to watch as a neutral. I really, really enjoyed the game. Um, Lewis Banks got the winner on the hour mark. Romeo Parks, hero and villain of the piece, scored in the first six minutes, sent off later in the game. And uh, Babatunde Owalabi, uh, he actually had equalised almost instantly in the first 10 minutes. So uh, interesting game. I think Romeo Parks is probably the, the main, I suppose, talking point of it. I know you didn't see the incident first time round, but you had it fairly spelled out to you at the time, Alan. Um, what were your thoughts on the, on the, I suppose, alleged headbutt, or the movement of the head towards the player? There was very clear movement, um, probably a, a definite red card in my opinion, but um, what were your thoughts? Yeah, um, for me, it's it's in front of the linesman. It's a silly, silly. Uh, you can't do it nowadays. Um, it's definitely a movement of the head. So look at the referee got the call right. But uh, I thought it was a very entertaining game. In fairness and, and fair play to Harps, I thought um, I'm not going to even try and pronounce his name. Uh, you, you tried to do it there, but uh, oh, he gave them. We tried to do it. I think I did it. I think I did it. Maybe. I did it, yeah. But uh, he get <laughs> what, what is that? Well, I'm going to go with Babatunde Oalabi. And I hope oh, that's I go Oalabi. So, no, but he, it's the first time this season I've kind of seen um, John Mahan and Gary Buckley tested. As in, uh, he gave them a, a good game. He was running in behind. He was big. He was strong. Uh, but for me, again, Rovers held out with 10 men and Ed McGinty pulling off another late save. We touched on Shamrock Rovers there getting made points. But if you... If you go back and see all the late days that Ed McGinty has made for Sligo Rovers, um, there's a hell of a lot of points he's, he's won them. Yeah, I do think so. I think, yeah, I know even against Longford, he pulled off one or two great saves later on, and he's probably been one of the better players this season. We're going to talk a little bit about maybe some of the categories and pick out some notable performances, as well as a couple of villains later on in the show. But let's work our way through the fixture list over the weekend. Uh, moving a bit towards the capital, uh, Drogheda United obviously in action against Derry City. A 2 1 win there for Derry City, and uh, Will Patching opened the score after 10 minutes. Uh, Mark Doyle on the hour mark. 
but it was uh, Will Patching again, another goal, 15 minutes from time. And he he has been one of my highlights of the, the season. Probably hasn't got the column mentions because of the fact that he's playing at Derry and it hasn't been a great start to the season for Derry, but he's been one of the players who've been very, very impressive. Would you be surprised to see him back in Dundalk We called from loan if that's an option for them? Um, possibly. Um, I think someone didn't someone ask Jim Chilton that after the game the other night and he didn't really respond to it. But um, he, he looks very impressive. We played against him twice now this season and, and he's definitely been you know very very dangerous. He he provides probably most of their chances if not all. They you know he's a set piece taker as well. Um, chipping in with a few goals. So like you said, probably flying under the radar a little bit just because there he hadn't had a great start to the season. But definitely a quality footballer, and I think you know once once fans are allowed back in, that's definitely a player that people should be looking to go and see. And he's kind of in that maybe not the same mold as Jack Bourne, but the same type of area of the pitch where you know creativity, goal scoring, and where the game's won. Like so, if people are looking for an exciting player to go and watch, that that's definitely one that um, should be on people's list. But Will Patchen's definitely had a good season so far, and no surprise that his goals and assists have now coincided with Derry moving up the table and, and picking up results. Yeah, and of course, it's been a, an interesting time. Another name on, on everyone's lips this weekend was David McMillan. Uh, he got his 100th appear, a goal for Dundalk. Uh, sorry, 100th league goal, not 100th for Dundalk. He's been around the block a little bit with a couple of different clubs. Uh, but 100th league goal, two, two little winners, St. Patrick's Atlantic, who had been running really, really well. And Dundalk just seemed to be Jekyll and Hyde at the moment. They went to beat Rovers. They get hammered by Bowes. They come back, they beat Pats. Um, you never really know what to expect when they take to the field at the moment. No, and the, the funny thing, Dundalk is, as you said, they got a drubbing on, on Monday night, uh, 5-1, and then to be Pats, you know, the way they beat them. Uh, look, it's, it's, just, it's just, we all know, we've talked about it enough on this show, how much a mess it is up there at the minute, but they still have a quality squad. They still have quality players all over. You look at Pat Hoogle coming back into the frame again, Um it's going to be, I think the break is probably coming at a good time for them. They let them regroup and it'll be interesting to see what Dundalk come back at the end of uh, at the end of this break. Yeah, I suppose the league, the league table with Sligo Rovers out in front, 31 points, uh, one point ahead of Shamrock Rovers. A little bit of a gap back then to St. Pat's there on 25, six points behind Sligo at the top of the table. Uh, Drawing United 22, Bohemians 20, Finharps 18, Dundalk and Derry both back on 17 points. There's a nice kind of gap there. Four teams, five teams separated by five points from fourth right down to eighth. And then I suppose worryingly from a Longford point of view, uh, a big gap appearing now, 10 points gap between yourselves and Derry just ahead of you, Dean. Seven points from the opening 14 games. Waterford, the only team with a worse record, they have six. Um, I know we've spoken about this a lot on the show and it's probably unfair that you're here every two weeks to kind of have to deal with questions on it. But uh, from Longford's point of view, um, can that be, can that gap be bridged or are we looking at a two horse race, essentially see who can stay ahead of the other to avoid the automatic playoff position or the automatic relegation spot? Yeah, I think from the outside, people will look at it as two horse race now. Like, uh, I mean, we haven't given up on trying to make, you know, more ground up. And uh, it's not. It wouldn't be the first time in League of Ireland football where you know a team kicks on a little bit in the second half of the season, the third round of games, the fourth round of games, you know, and finds something, whether it's a player that comes in in the window or whatever. So, 
like we're not giving up on anything. I think we feel we've been close, but not got some rewards. So maybe we're looking for a little bit of luck or something to turn. And as we all know, sometimes it's it's a little bit of something, like maybe a bit of luck or a ball going in from nowhere kind of thing that just sets you on a bit of momentum then. Like so, like I said, we're not giving up on being able to kind of claw back some of that ground. But, um, you know, it's up to us to do it on the pitch. We can't just say we want to do it. We've got to go and, and do it and get some points on the board. Yeah, let's take a look at the first division before we move on to kind of our, our highs and lows of the, of the season so far. Um, and the five games in the first division, I think four of them, they're really notable results. I think Cove's victory, 1-0 against Cork City, their first win in a long, long time against Cork in competitive fair. Uh, Shells, they beat Galway 4-0. That's a big statement as well for Ian Morris's side. UCB come back from 2-0 down to win away at Athlone and 3 United confirm that they're here to stay, 2-0 winners at Bray, and of course the final result at Wexford, uh, their first win of the season, 2-0 against Capitale. To be fair, all five games, uh, noteworthy, the first division really has been one of my highlights of the year. Uh, any of those particular fixtures catch either of your attention? Alan, maybe we'll uh, start with you. One of the, Any of those um, stand out as kind of games to, to kind of maybe go back and take a look at the highlights in? Well, obviously you're gonna you're gonna Shelburne beat Goey. That's a massive like four 0 Goey. We spoke to John Coffield on the show and the, the ambitions that they have. Um, I think for the season, Treaty and Athlone have been uh, the performance for me. Uh, considering you know everyone has bad shells to win the league because they they really realistically speaking, shells have a Premier Division team playing in the First Division uh, with the with the players that they have. Um, but I think Athlone. And treaty for me is definitely uh, surprise packages in the first division, and um, Galway would have been really, really disappointed getting a done uh, of that sort against, or I suppose, the rivals for the title in Shelburne. I suppose the only positive from uh, and Dean you would have experienced this last year is that fifth place is good enough to get you into those playoffs and then it's really a case of who stands up on the day. Longford only finished fourth in the league last year and yet they were the ones who emerged through the playoff system to get that final spot in the Premier Division. Um, from your point of view, when we saw the run goal went on last year, they're only two points off that playoff position. Cork and about three or four points behind them again. It really is anybody's to make that push and get into that gap. Uh, and I suppose you, you lived it last year. Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's really chaos in that first division because anything can happen. And it, it's really not a huge run of form that's needed to kind of get in to the playoffs in the end. Like if you can just stay in touch and keep picking up wins. And as we're seeing, everybody's kind of beating everybody. Everybody's chipping in with results here and there. Even Wexford chipped in with their first results, like, you know, that way. So, you know, pretty much everyone's in contention right up until the last round of games. And I think that's what they went for when they went for this format of playoffs. So it's worked the last couple of seasons and it's it's provided very exciting playoff games. But also that, that, that last few games to run into the playoffs has always been very, very exciting and very, very competitive. And even the shakeout of the teams, you could end up sixth or second or you could end up fifth or, or, or anywhere in between. So it, it just opens the door for a lot of excitement. And, you know, it's usually the team that can find some consistency, like you said, we did uh, in the playoffs. But we didn't finish the season with consistency. We lost our last two games going into it. So sometimes it's about getting in and then, you know, what can you do when you get in? So all those teams will still feel they have a chance and they can put together a couple of results or whatever it might be and, and get one of those slots. And then it's... It's anybody's game from there. 
Yeah, just from the record, in term, or just for the record, in terms of the league table, 10 games played so far out of a full round of 27 to be played this year. So about a third of the way through with one round and one full round of fixtures plus one extra round uh, played last weekend. Shells lead 24 points from their opening 10 games. The only unbeaten record left in the League of Ireland. UCD, they have 19 points, a little bit behind, while Athlone and Treaty on 16 points each. Cabotelli, 15. Bray of 14. Galway, as we mentioned, on 13. And then a little gap back to the Munster sides. Cork City on 9. Cove Ramblers on 8. With Wexford picking up their first win uh, of the season, but also of Ian Ryan's tenure in the club in his second game. They'll be delighted with that. They prop up the table, though. Three points at the bottom of the table. Um, now, lads, I set you a bit of a challenge coming into today's show because we wanted to maybe just take a little bit of a recap of what's happened over the last couple of months or so since the league came back uh, earlier this year. And uh, we've picked a couple of categories. We want to have a little chat about, I suppose, people who've impressed you, best goals, that sort of stuff. So maybe if we start uh, with that and talk about maybe the best goals that you've seen over the course of the last couple of weeks. Um, anyone want to throw out a, a name or two or a, a game to talk about the, the best goal they've seen so far? Any honourable mentions before you give us your actual choice? Uh, there, there's been a good few, uh, I suppose. You have Jordan Gibson um, against Waterford. You have uh, Chris Forrester. Uh, there not so long ago. You have a couple of very good team goals. You've seen Bowes with a great team goal there um, on, on uh, Saturday. Um, but there's one I think that stands out for me. I don't know if you want me to say it yet uh, or do you want me to hold back? Well, no, you give them two or three. Maybe we might hear a couple from Dean. Any thoughts from you, Dean? Yeah, just uh, I think the league's had a kind of goal the season competition against us this year, like with Chris Forrester and Liam Burke and you know, there's been a few, but uh, I think Con- I'll give Connor Davis a little mention. One of our own goals against Bowes earlier in the season, a little solo run, beat a couple of players and got us back in the game. We ended up getting a point, so just one there. But I think me and Alan are probably going to say the same thing for the for the top goal that we've seen so far. Oh, now no, there's no pressure at all. Uh, one you mentioned, you mentioned Liam Burke, but I think there's been two there as well. He got one against Drogheda as well earlier on. It was a fabulous team goal. Uh, the ball from Dawson Devoy probably made it. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's one you're going to pick. Uh, possibly not, because you've mentioned you, there's one glaring, obviously one that you haven't either mentioned. So um, I don't know which one we want to go first. We'll certainly go with you, Alan, and Dean might nod his head if he agrees with you. What do you think? Goal so far in the season? I think it has to be Graham Burke, uh, City halfway line, uh, yeah. straight over. That's you know I could I could try that on the whole career. I wouldn't get it. It was just quality. Um, you know, it took a touch, see the keeper off the line, and I, I don't think a bounce board even went in. So that's that was, that was my pick anyway. Does distance and opportunism always trump kind of the top corner element of and goals like that? In your opinion? Um, yeah, I definitely think so because the awareness of them. You, you don't have much time on the ball. Dean, at all from the position you play, you get it. He's, he's obviously looked at that keeper off his line already previous and then he's got that opportunity and it's touch and bang and to get like that it's just I think it for me it definitely does beat the the, the, the wonder strikes anyway but it was a wonder strike Dean your thoughts on that would you agree yeah I think so and like Alan said you don't have a huge amount of time and you know the best players kind of have a picture of what's going on around before they receive the ball so 
I think you have to give some credit towards that. And, you know, I think we all, as you know, professionals or whatever in the in the league, you'll strike a ball nicely a couple of times when it's out of your feet from the edge of the box. And, you know, sometimes they go in, sometimes you get those great strikes. But it's very rare that you kind of get the whole distance, vision, technique correct in one go. And again, especially against, a you know, a full-time outfit and a full-time goalkeeper, you don't often get those opportunities. So you have to give... You know, huge credit when when you see it going in like that, and like Alan said as well, it was, it was a great strike of the ball too. It wasn't kind of a loopy one that dropped in. He he really hit it and drilled it well. Like yeah, he knew exactly what he was doing. In, in terms of I suppose the next category, and that was the one I kind of expected you both to say. In terms of the next category, we go with best team, and I'm not necessarily looking for the team best or top of the table, but uh, maybe that is the case. But but what team has been, in your opinion, the best? maybe based on the resources they've got, based on the performances or the expectation coming into the season, who, what teams have impressed you? I'm going to throw it out there to start the discussion. And I know Sligo should feature at some stage, but draw the eye for me, style of play, and the, the performances based on, I suppose, where they came from and the expectations coming up from the first division. Uh, I start with you, Dean, maybe in terms of, of what you think. Yeah, I agree with you. I was, I was going to say pretty much the same. Like Sligo would get a, a, a good mention, really solid, good start of the season. Um, but I would go with with Rada as well, and and again, off my own experiences, they've beaten us kind of well in two games, and um, they're playing good stuff. It's not just kind of you know hanging in there and and dragging out results. They're playing really well. Some of the goals are very good. Again, like you said, with a mix of maybe resources and expectations where you would expect them to be, I think they've exceeded all the all of those. So um, I'd be in agreement with you there. I'd say draw uh, United for me. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, 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 uh, it's an easy choice to say it's like a Rovers, they're top of the table. But uh, you, you've touched on it there. Draw had to have come up, come first division. It's not, it's not easy to establish yourself that quick in within the league. It takes a while, but my God, Draw had to have hit the ground running. And Tim has been playing some very, very good football and, and exciting, exciting to watch there. And there's some quality players as well. Yeah, well, let's. Uh, I think we've all agreed there. Any honourable mentions for me? I think uh, it's very hard to not mention Treaty and Athlone in the first division. And UCD have been, um, given the, the nature of what they do there, I think the performances they've pulled out, some of the results they've had, and some of the goals they've scored has been pretty good as well when you look down into the first division. Yeah, I think definitely Treaty anyway deserve, uh, you know, a big, big mention. Like, they, they weren't even a club this time last season or they didn't have a, a senior men's team. Six months ago, never mind a year ago. Yeah. And we spoke to Tommy, obviously, and he, he told us the recruitment process was, you know, two weeks to 10 days before and then into the season. And they're very competitive in every game. I know they've got some League of Ireland experience with the lads that they have down there in the squad, but, you know, what they're doing is very, very good. And again, like we, we spoke about their they might have adjusted their expectations to wanting to be in the playoffs now, you know, because they've had such a good start. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, Treaty, I agree with you, Treaty, and I think at Lone Town as well. Um, we touched it on the show, uh, about Treaty. We, we did predict uh, it's going to be a tough, long year for them. Um, so no one would have thought how, how well they, they actually done. And um, I suppose at Lone as well, to me, they're always around the basement. And for me, they've they've excelled as well, sure. Yeah, I agree with you. And um, best manager, who has impressed you? And we've had so many of them through the league this year. And um, we don't know how many managers some clubs have even had in the last couple of weeks. Uh, but uh, who has impressed you from the dugout over the last couple of weeks? Alan, your turn to maybe kick the ball off on this one. 
Um, well, you, you know, you some quality managers within the league. Um, Ollie Horgan's doing a, a very, very good job in Finn Harris. But for me, I'm going to have to say Tim Clancy um, for the job. He has, again, we spoke of Drogheda, um, have exceeded all expectations. From you know, I always thought that to be safe enough, but I didn't think they'd do as well as they're doing. Um, so I think Tim, he has been playing some good football and not on the biggest of budgets. Dean? You're not allowed to say Dara and uh, get before you get in trouble. Am I playing next week or not, Dara? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm giving you a free pass. You can't say Dara, so Dara, don't drop him on the basis of not picking it. Yeah, I think I agree about Alan, obviously, on team, and, and I'd have to say Liam Buckley as well because um, Sligo have been really good and impressive. And, and something that maybe hasn't been always associated with Liam's teams is they're rock solid, you know, especially through that spine of the team. Like, and you always associate Liam with great football. They pass it well, create a lot of chances, goal scoring team. But uh, I think they've been a little bit more practical this year as well. And kind of, you know, they're really, really stout uh, through the spine of the team. You mentioned Gary and, and John Mann there as well. And Ed, so that trifecta at the back, that little triangle has been. Uh, really, really strong for Liam, but I think uh, Liam has set them up to be a little bit more practical this year, so he definitely deserves a mention um, in terms of manager so far at this point, yeah. It's funny, actually, Liam would have been my choice if you'd, if you'd given me an option. Um, I just think when you look back to where they were this time last year, zero points from four games, rock bottom of the table, uh, look like, look and campaigning not to bring the league back at the time, if, if memory serves, um, and since then, it's just been a complete polar opposite. I think the recruitment through the off-season is nothing short of spectacular uh, with some of the players that Sligo have brought in. And I think a lot of that credit is down to Liam and, and, and bringing in some really, really talented players. And there were gambles. We've seen gambles not work for other teams. Uh, but the likes of uh, Lewis Banks, who came in three years ago and has become a, a stable in that team, and then the likes of... Greg Bulger and Robbie McCourt and players who've come in and just literally taken to the showgrounds. I think Liam deserves all the credit. And of course, John Russell and the whole team down there as well um, in terms of the setup in, in Sligo. Um, on unlimited resources, they don't have the budgets that Dundalk or, or, or Shamrock Rovers have, but yet uh, they're well able to live with them. And it'd be interesting to see if they can keep that, ca- uh, that pressure up through the season. I suspect possibly not, but I do think at this point they'll be firmly in the European spots come the end of the season. I can't see them holding on to win the league when the games start mounting up through the season. Anyway, move on. Best player so far in terms of who has impressed you? We've said a few names through the, the last couple of minutes. Um, who has been the best player in the league in your opinion so far? Dean, I think it's your turn. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's been a number um, really impressive. Like We don't have a, a real sprint away leader in terms of goal scoring charts, you know, that way sometimes it goes to maybe a Sean Maguire or someone like that over the last few years. Like, But um, I'm going to go back to Sligo and I think Gary Buckley. Um, I played against Gary quite a bit as a, a central midfield player and he's, he's slipped back a little bit into centre-half now and he's he's been brilliant. And again, I'm coming from it from when we played against him a little bit as well, just, you know, as a, as a better reference point and he's been been brilliant in the, in the two games and we haven't got much change out of him in either of those games and he seems to be really good in the other games too from what I've seen so um, I'm going to go with, with Gary on that one Alan Yeah well look at this, there's, there is a, a scene out there there's no real runaway uh, goal scorer which is a lack of, go- of strikers I suppose uh, like, like the caliber of John McGuire's and, and, and that within the league but I think the both full backs for Drogheda is it Brown uh, right back really yeah. really impressed with him 
Um, Chris Forrester has come back into a, a bit of form. Uh, Lane Burt. Um, there's, there's a few, but I am going to have to go with Sligo Rovers as well and Greg Bulger, um, centre midfield. And Ed McGinty was close. Yeah. And John Mann. I could name, we, we, no, I could name it, but, but in terms of the influence that he's had on the team and with no fans being at the game, you hear the talking from him, you hear the, you know, getting the lads going and stuff. So for me, at this moment in time, Greg Bulger for me would have been probably the standout player. Yeah, I think there have been some really, really good performances over the years. Danny Mandrew at, at Channel Rovers has been pretty good. He's had to move back uh, more defensive in recent weeks to just fill gaps in the, in the midfield at, at the point. But I think Greg Bulger uh, has definitely been the most influential. Whether he's been the best remains to be seen, but he's definitely up there, but absolutely the most influential player on the pitch. For me, Gary Buckley, absolutely. But in, in honestly, I, I think John Mahan's a better centre-back. And so uh, you pick him as the best player in the league. He might not even be the best centre half of the club, and and that just goes back to the, the what we've talked about um, Sligo in terms of what they've brought over the last couple of, of months to the recruitment and and kind of getting that confidence flowing through that team. Um, in terms of, are there any maybe the 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 smaller clubs or the clubs who haven't done well? Colin Whelan in UCD again has been great, but there's been that kind of. Um, forward four or five for UCD who really have um, looked to score at will. Colin Whelan is there and um, we've also got, I, I know we're heading back towards the Northwest again with some of these names, but Liam Kerrigan and Jack Keeney have been huge part of that as well. And I think Paul Doyle, again, another Sligo player coming through there at UCD. And But when those four have been on the pitch, UCD have done well. When they miss any one of them, they've struggled. And I think it goes to show how strong those players are in that gap. Uh, shells have been impressive as well. There's been a few lads uh, involved with Shells who really have have pushed it on. Um, anyone in particular stand out? Michael, Michael O'Connor, we've had him on the show. He, uh, he's he been banging in goals, um, but overall performances, would he be worthy of a consideration, Alan? Um, I'd say Ryan Brennan. He's, uh, he, I think he's on his form again, and Georgie Poynton. Um, both really, uh, I think Ryan Brennan in particular, he's, he's, you know, he started off the league and he's, he's chipped in with, with a lot of important goals from him as well. So, um, look, at, we've, we've said it already in the show, the shells have quality all over and uh, I still think that they'll, they'll probably win the league easy enough um, uh, going by the quality that they have and I think they'll really kick gear when the, when the season returns. But yeah, Ryan Brennan for me probably would have been uh, uh, the one for the first division, yeah. In terms of best young player that we've seen so far in the league, there's plenty of people put their hands up, whether it's Johnny Kenny in the showgrounds, uh, Rhino Kane in Dundalk, uh, Yaros in goals for Pats. There's been plenty of kind of players who've broken through. Um, we know some names, some people who might be in the age range, the likes of Niall Moore and uh, John Mahan, Ed McGinty, even Ed Irvin at, at Longford. Let's leave them out of consideration because they've been established in the league a little while. Uh, but who who are the young crop coming through? There's a couple of lads at uh, Pats as well have made an impression in the first couple of weeks of the season. Um, uh, for me, I think um, Dawson Devoy, uh, Bowes, I think he's, 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 he's quality and I don't think he'd be in the league too, for too long if he, if he continues. I don't, Andy Lyons, is, what, is he, he's, he's, under, he's only 20, is he? Yeah, he's under 21 international. Yeah, so you know, for, for me to in the league, look at you spoke about Ed McGinty, spoke about I I, I like um, Brown at at uh, Drogheda. I think he's I think he's only twenty one, twenty two. So um, I thought 
you know, for the first season in the in the Premier Division, he's taken away storm as well. So, but for me, yeah, I think Dawson Devoy, when they when they really do well, I think him and and, and Lions are, are 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 very good for both. Dean, you've got a bit up, up up closer and personal with them in recent weeks. Um, who have you found difficult to kind of get to terms with on the pitch? Yeah. I'm going to stick with Bowers, but I'm going to go with Ross Tierney. I think he's been really good. Um, scored a couple of really important goals. And I know uh, we set out to play a certain way and he pretty much destroyed it in the first half. You know, in, in Longford, we had to readjust and we, we done pretty well in the second half. But a uh, really intelligent player, clever runs, gets in the box, which will get him goals. And um, I think he's been really impressive. And like I said, we've mentioned kind of most of the others or a lot of the other players that are maybe young but have a couple of years' experience. But um, Ross has certainly stood out for me. And I know we've talked about Bowles and replacing maybe Danny Mandrew in that position. And, and you know, Bastian Harry came in, maybe was going to play there. We thought possibly could have played there, but Ross is keeping him out of the team and has been really, really good. And like Alan just said about Dawson, you, you might not see Ross around uh, too long if his, if his growth keeps continuing the way it is. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting time to see if clubs can keep hold of these players in the coming weeks. We've two more categories to get through, and the first one I want to talk about before we talk about highlights is lowlights. What hasn't impressed you in the league this year? Could be on the pitch, could be off the pitch. And for me, it's the loss of Watch LOI. I know we're going to have some form of streaming, but I thought that platform was a really solid base. Um, I would be concerned if clubs go in their own directions uh, and and all have varying. Uh, systems and varying standards, uh, commentary, camera work, that sort of stuff. I, I think it's a, a step back if clubs go in different directions. That remains to be seen. No official announcements as yet, but we do expect something. And uh, what what have you not been impressed with uh, through the league so far? Can, I mean, I would say ourselves, or <laughs> is that too obvious? <laughs> if you do, if you don't want to get hammered in the dressing room, you can say whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. I think uh, I think the one that, that stands out is obviously the situation that happened with, with Waterford and ending up, you know, fielding their 19s team who hadn't played a game in, in six or seven months and, and they took a hiding and then the following week they had to forfeit a game. So um, I think that was the, the, the low light. Now, not, I don't know who, who's to blame or are we pointing fingers at, at specific people like, in certain situations. Like uh, Sometimes that's difficult, but just uh, I just don't think it looked great for the league and Sometimes uh, we're a little bit ridiculed in this country by sports fans and things like that about the League of Ireland. And that just seemed like a little bit of a lack of professionalism um, those couple of weeks for Waterford. So hopefully we don't have another reoccurrence of that where, you know, a team has to feel like a really inexperienced team or has to forfeit a game. And I think that kind of just showed the league up to be a little bit maybe unprofessional when there's so many people putting in so much work to make it, to make it really, really good. So that's probably the only one for me like that really... You know, stood out in the first part of the season. Alan, yourself, any lowlights? Yeah, it's yeah, it's hard to look past the water situation, isn't it? With the with the managerial going and coming and back uh, at the start of the year, and then as you said, I felt so bad for the Martins. That was I just thought that was just so unprofessional, and it's not nice. No one wants to be in that uh, that environment like when you're getting tanked like that. And uh, for me as well. The standard of refereeing, I don't think, is, is is up to where it used to be. Um, I think there's a lot of a lot of frustration. I suppose you see it with fans on Twitter after games. Again, referee taking centre stage, you know. So uh, I think they need to up their game too. I think the the quality is is definitely lacking a little bit with the referees within the league. 
Uh, any other honourable mentions you want to mention before we, we move away from the, the disappointments of the last couple of months? I think I'll stay away from saying anything about referees anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, I suppose the situation at Dundalk is unfortunate. Um, I think um, it's never nice to see the supporters lose faith with the people running the club and that appears to have happened. And um, here's hoping that some resolution can be found to that. And I suppose there's an element of that in, in playing Waterford as well. So um, I'd like to see kind of those situations get resolved where everybody's on the same hymn sheet all pulling in the right direction. Uh, I would like to see that happen um, from a supporter's point of view watching in. It's never nice to see a club crumble or or even just go backwards like we are seeing with a couple of clubs in the league at the moment. And now my favourite one of the whole lot, highlights of uh, the last couple of months, and it could be on the pitch, off the pitch, or whatever you think uh, yourselves. Uh, Dean, anything that you've been particularly impressed by over the last few months? I think the standard has been really good, you know, and we've touched on all the players and the performances and things like that. But um, I think someone that is a highlight definitely is Danny Mandrew's inclusion in the Ireland squad. Like just, um, you know, we have good players. We have very good players. We have people that are, you know, capable of playing at a higher level, capable of playing maybe across the water in other leagues. And, you know, I think that's, uh, like I said about, you know, maybe Waterford people like ridicule the league a little bit when they see that, but it also gets great, you know, credit when we start producing players that can go into the Ireland setup. So I think for me, that's one that just stands out, which is quite recent, but uh, someone like Danny getting a chance to, to go in with the Ireland setup. And again, we've mentioned some good young players, so maybe um, we won't be long in seeing a, a few more that kind of come through that League of Ireland pathway. So I think they're always good stories. And, you know, that's one that stands out for me in terms of being a highlight that we have a League of Ireland player again now breaking into the ranks of the international setup. I yourself. Yeah, but definitely Danny Mandrew getting in is, is definitely a thing for the league. For me, I would say with the whole COVID situation that we've only had one Premier Division team that had to forfeit a game. And you're talking, I think, was it the only positive, really, uh, test in Waterford? Uh, and then you had Cabin Tealy in the First Division. So, overall, I think the club has done a massive uh, job and the players themselves that are within the league to, to, to get it up and running and, and keep it going because... Like the situation that we're in, and we're in the middle of the, the pandemic, that it could easily have led to, uh, you know, I suppose games cancelled and everything like that. But it, they've ran smoothly since the since the league has has restarted, and, and that's great to see. And I think that's a massive positive. And hopefully, come back after the break, it's it, it all all that other situation is 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 sorted, and uh, it runs smoothly again, and we get to see fans back in the game. Yeah, I have a couple actually highlights over the last few weeks of stuff that's happened off the pitch. One is Finn Harps getting uh, the guts of four million for their uh, development in Stranorla. I think that's going to be a huge plus, and it really make, means it's going to happen, and that's important up there in Finn Harps. And the very best luck to them. The one initiative I loved, and again, I'm going back to Sligo Rovers again, but. Uh, it may have gone under the radar for a lot of teams and supporters across the league, but Sligo Rovers over the last few months have given a Sligo Rovers jersey to every single child born in Sligo General Hospital. And I think it's something, I know a lot of European clubs do that or have a similar kind of initiative, but it just creates that little bit of a bond where those early pictures get taken and shared on social media. And I think it's it's creating the right culture within the league. And I think uh, hats off to the likes of Gerard O'Connor and to Theo and Confeely, who would have been um, involved in behind the scenes. And then I think there's some really bright stuff coming out of, of Sligo in recent years. And 
and other clubs, but that's one that caught my attention. And I think the other side of it is, you mentioned COVID, Alan. For me, the fact that for the last 12 months, we haven't been allowed to go to games, and yet we've seen more League of Ireland than we ever saw before. And I think that's a huge credit, to, to be fair to the FAI and all the powers that be, to make Watch LOI a thing last year, to make LOI TV this year. And I will finish with one last one. That is the amalgamation effectively of the men's and women's leagues for sponsorship and promotion, both services, uh, both leagues on the LOI TV platform. I think that is a huge step forward for the League of Ireland, whether it knows it or not yet. I think women's football is a huge part to play in the development of the game here in this country. We, of course, do a, a Women's National League show on the platform here. We treat the men's and women's teams the same. And I think it's going to be um, a great day for football when that's the way it's seen across the entire spectrum of the game. So for me, they're probably the highlights. I don't know if anyone wants to throw in anything else. Uh, I think I've touched most of it. Alan, you look like you have something to add to the pile. Yeah, I, I think I think with, with Drogheda um, name in their stadium, um, head in the game park, I think that's a massive massive uh, plus and you obviously seen Bowles linking up with the colleges and, and we spoke to uh, representatives from Bowles and what they do for their players uh, you know look after them both on and off the pitch I'm sure most will do that but definitely heading the game park uh, was a great um, initiative by Drogheda and uh, gets people talking why is it all that why is that but look at we've, we've touched on most of them there I think it's it's, it's, all, it's all positives uh, within the league yeah, and I suppose we'll end it on that, really, for the, the first half, not quite half, but the first period of the League of Ireland for 2021 here on Final Whistle. No show next week. We're taking a bit of a break along with the rest of the league. I love that we had any amount of positives and only one or two tiny little gripes on the negatives. It's rare that that's a situation in the League of Ireland. Long may it continue and may the positives and the promotion of the league and, our, and the games continue to be the main feature of all of the media coverage of the league. To Dean and Alan, thanks so much for all your help uh, through the last 14 weeks. It's hard to believe it's been 14 weeks. It's kind of uh, caught up with us over the last few weeks. It's uh, what's What are you doing for the next 10 days, Dean? you got time off now that you're not uh, in training this week? Yeah, just got a couple of days away. Um, well, nothing, nothing major. Like obviously, you still can't travel away. So, but just a you know a bit of a relaxation and recharge the batteries a little bit, and then back at it. When's your first training session back next weekend? Trip to Ibiza, no? <laughs> Not quite. I've never, never made that trip to Ibiza. Funnily enough, but, um, no, just play it, play it one couple of days away, and then uh, we're back in Sunday morning. So we're we're back training, then like gearing up for the following week. Alan, I know you're on call tonight. Thankfully, your buzzer didn't go off. Um, yourself, do you get an opportunity to get a, a bit of a breather at all over the next week or two? I'm on. I'm on call now till Monday morning, eight o'clock. So uh, I don't have the footballers' lives, you know, where they they just chill out and uh, relax and head away for a couple. Of, I know I'm, I'm off the following week, but uh, okay, I'll head away from the summer. I just I just want the games to be back. I don't know what I'm going to do now when I'm on call. What to look at? I know she didn't confirm or deny whether you've been on that trip to Ibiza over the years. Alan, listen, uh, and Dean, it's been a pleasure as always. We'll be back in two weeks' time uh, for a look at the, the next round of fixtures, which we didn't even talk about this evening. It doesn't really matter. You know where they are. You'll find them on finalwhistle.ie or wherever you get your League of Ireland news. We'll be back in two weeks. I think it's your turn, Dean. I don't like to say it counts as uh, being on on. Uh, on the show because everyone's here and uh, we'll be back with dean in two weeks time alan three weeks time talk to you after the break boys enjoy it